0: Please open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 2. Being some familiar verses today of snapshot of the early church, Acts 2. A few short verses starting at verse 42, and we'll get to that in a minute. So Acts 2, 42. In the scripture that we read today, it's been over a month since the resurrection occurred, and there's been a lot going on. Jesus has appeared again to his followers, getting them ready for his leaving again. This time he departs, not in death, but in glory, with another promise to return again. A few days after he ascends, the disciples are together and Pentecost occurs. The wind of God blowing through the assembly and falling on the people in a way that They had never, ever seen before. Never even considered that God could be poured out in that way. The era of the Holy Spirit has started. The church begins in earnest. In response to this strange and beautiful occurrence, Peter preaches the word. It seems to be so that people can make sense of what happened. He needs to explain it and give context for it. Historical context, but also about the life of Jesus. But also then it's a call. He uses it as a call to tell the people, there's forgiveness for you. There's hope for you. Jesus died for you. Peter tells them how Jesus was not abandoned to the grave. That his body is not in decay, but it is alive. And he recalls how many witnesses saw Jesus and how he truly is the Messiah, the promised one of God. Come so that we too might live Forever And the miracle that they're witnessing, Peter says, this thing that you're seeing is because Jesus is alive. Jesus has come to save all people from every nation and tongue. And the people who were there were cut to the heart, the scripture says. And they said, what should we do? And Peter says, repent and believe that Jesus will save you. And that day, 3,000 did. This, then, is what Luke records in Acts 2, starting at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common they would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Something I read this week has piqued my attention with regards to this passage. It's from a professor at Luther Seminary in Minnesota. Here is what he says. The idea of community simultaneously attracts and repels most of us. We long for the life-affirming benefits that community can bestow, but we resist the demands That community makes. Now, this is not new information to us. All of us want to be connected to others. We want to have camaraderie and meaningful relationships and shared experiences with people we like and have things in common. This is why bars are full and sports teams thrive And social clubs exist, and political marches are seeing a new day, and online forums have many members. Because joining together with others who share our same affiliations helps us not to feel alone. It gives us some purpose and focus. But true community, as we know, takes investment. We're attracted to it and repelled by it because it may require more energy than we are willing to give. We have to commit time and effort, which are valuable to us. And the people part, that can be hard for us. What if they annoy us? What if we annoy them? Have we ever thought of that? Not usually. We always think of it the other way. (laughs) What happens when we disagree with one another? What if they don't look like us or talk like us? What if we're uncomfortable? What if they ask us to do too much? You know, those people always ask too much. But this would all have been true of the early church. All of those things. It seems easier to not engage too much. For us to gauge a level where we're comfortable. As we consider this, it might be helpful to ask ourselves the question of what it is that we value. Since I've taken on this new role, there are so many young people getting married. It's a little weird. I've never done so much premarital counseling. But it's been great, actually, for my own marriage and for my own thinking about it. So we've been talking a lot about what will your new life look together. And one of the things that, of course, we talk about is values, because values is where we hit our conflict. So do you value staying up late or waking up early? Do you value hospitality and having people in your home? Do you value pet or the environment? How do you value money? What will happen with your families? How will you do ministry? We spend time on what we value in our life. We give our best to what feeds our soul. So we invest the most of who we are in those places. The older I get, the more I realize how the time I have is a gift. And because it's limited and growing increasingly so, because I'm getting older, I want to use it in a way That makes the most impact on what I value deep down. And when we read this passage, we're struck right away with how the people in the early church used their time. In verse 42, it says they devoted their time to teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayers. This is how they spent their time. But these are not the things that they were devoted to. They were devoted to the Lord Jesus, and these acts, these things that they did, were the outworking of their allegiance to him. They longed to be connected to him, so that's how they did it. Their faith is new, they're hungry, and the Spirit is feeding them, and they find deep meaning in being together, seeking him. It fuels their lives. The word devoting there means that they were persistently consistently doing those things that brought them closer to jesus and we recognize them because they are the things that we still do today it looked different certainly but the value is the same the apostles teaching is the continuation of how jesus taught them and those words are life-giving to us still we value the word the instruction handed down to us Fellowship literally means a sharing in common with one another, sharing of the spirit in worship, sharing of circumstances as we share what's going on in our lives and how it is that we need prayer, sharing with one another so that we encourage one another to keep the faith and ask one another, what should I do? How can I do good in my neighborhood and in my context? Breaking bread describes both meals and the remembrances of the Lord's death. Prayers would have been the set time of speaking to the Lord, as was the Jewish practice at the time, where they would stop their activities in the middle of the day so that they might speak to the Lord. The picture of the church then is of continual growth and generous sharing Joyful worship and fruitful time together. And all of these actions are relational. They learned from one another. They loved one another. They praised God and prayed to him and worshiped him together. They cared for one another and worked out how it was that they were going to help those among them who didn't have enough. How is it that they were going to spend their time together helping those who didn't have enough. At the beginning of the church age, it's encouraging to see what that community looked like. And in response, God met them. He brought signs and wonders. He directed them how to reach out with their generosity. He gave them glad hearts. He gave them a good reputation with those around them. He brought salvation to newcomers that caused the church to grow. His spirit was just as invested in them as they were invested in him. It was in communion with him that they learned anything was possible. You see, God meets our greatest need for community with his physical body. He experienced a full life for us. A brutal death and a dramatic resurrection so that we might experience true connection with him body, mind, and spirit, that we might have a true connection with one another. He creates the meaningful gathering with his very presence, with his spirit. So today we continue the tradition of the early followers of the risen Christ laid out for us. Not because we revere those who went before us. But because we too want to express our devotion to the Messiah ourselves. We are part of a movement begun long ago that will continue until Christ comes again. Jesus said, remember me as you take communion. And when we do, we recall how he gave up his life so that we might live. As we remember, we recognize his presence among us. Like the disciples we talked about last week in Emmaus, we have the Lord's very spirit who meets us, whom we recognize in the breaking of the bread. Because Jesus is alive, so is his body. In the next few verses, if you keep reading, you will see how their community begins to fray and have issues. We know that the church has struggled And we'll continue to struggle with what it means to be the body of Christ. Yet still we persist because that is what we're called to. We devote ourselves to the Lord asking him to show us how to receive. And how to give as he directs. How to live in the spirit with our brothers and sisters. Listen to a quote from Shane Claiborne, a Christian activist and author. Who is an important voice in the church today. Community is what we are created for. We are made in the image of God, who is community, a plurality of oneness. But that doesn't mean that community is easy. For everything in this world tries to pull us away from community, pushes us to choose ourselves over others, to choose independence over interdependence, to choose great things Over small things, to choose going fast alone over going far together. The simple way is not the easy way. No one ever promises us that community of Christian discipleship, that community or Christian discipleship would be easy. Being the church isn't easy. But if we are to go far together as the global people of the living God, We must continue to value being part of his body as he leads and guides us. Today we take part of the most important ritual Jesus left us, communion, common union with himself, with one another, with the saints in heaven as they worship him. It is the most unique of all of the types of groups in the world because the eternal spirit of God is the center of our gathering. So a question we might ask ourselves as we come forward this morning is this. What are we devoted to in this life? As we examine our heart in light of the scripture, let us be honest before the Lord. What do we consistently seek? What do we consistently do that is bringing us closer to Christ? How are we invested in Christian community in a way that brings life to others? In every era of the church, in every place, People band together as believers to decide how it is that they will love God. So may we show our devotion to Christ as we take his body and blood, and may he meet us in the sharing of the Lord's Supper, and may we be drawn closer to him and one another.